This is Sports Cutting Edge for ASTN, the Australian Sports Technologies Network. Here's your host, Lockie Wills. G'day, hello and welcome to Sports Cutting Edge. Thank you very much for your company. We are Australia's podcast home for sports technology or for the Australian Sports Technologies Network, ASTN. Check them out, astn.com.au. Powering sport through innovation. We come to you live again from the Sunshine State, from the Olympic State of Queensland in the ASTN studios here. Um, Well, you know, because we had the Australian Sports Innovation Week, right? So we did that, Sports Tech World Series, the whole bit. On the back of that, we've just had the Ministry of Sport Women in Sport Summit. It's the only event of its kind in Australia. And just a massive congratulations to the Ministry of Sport team. Like, I'm biased because I love them, but the event they put on, just magnificent. The array of speakers, the content lineup. And if anyone saw on uh, you know social media on LinkedIn, for those of you that were there in person, the set design, the staging, it was next level. Tiffany Cherry was there. Tiff Cherry, who was really one of the the pioneers of females in sports broadcasting, when the AFL rights went to Foxtel for the very first time for the 2002 season, Fox Footy. Tiff Cherry was leading the way as uh, anchor. And um, Tiff was saying, and Tiff now works with Golf Australia, uh, running their women and girls. And Tiff said, like, walking on stage there, it honestly felt like she was in a TV studio. Like, the the effort the Ministry of Sport put in to turning this into just the absolute zenith of conferences was so good. So well done to uh, Ben Parsons, Age Rappel, Penny Marne, Matt Bobby Skilton, Jeffrey, Alana, Vanessa, all the gang, tremendous. And the lineup of speakers was just absolute gold. Well, actually, literally gold. There were a lot of gold medalists there. <laughs> there were a lot of gold medalists. Uh, the first uh, keynote speech was from Naomi McCarthy. Naomi McCarthy, who won gold for Australia in the Sydney Olympics in water polo, was then the captain of the Australian side, Athens 2004. Naomi uh, became just the second ever female member of the Queensland Rugby League board. Um, There are since now three. So three female members in a century. Naomi, just the second. Naomi is the head of the Griffith University Sports College. Now, keep in mind, Griffith University... They won nine Olympic gold medals in Tokyo. So on the medal table for all the countries in the world, Griffith are top 10. A university in Queensland is top 10 for the entire world in Olympics. Like, they, they are next level. Um, so, yeah, Naomi runs the, uh, the Griffith Sports College. And Naomi is also in charge of promoting women and girls in sport. And what Griffith are doing in that space, just sublime. So Naomi gave the the first speech up. And then we had Steph Rudnick. Steph, who runs PR for Angel City FC, the LA uh, football team in women's soccer in the US, owned by Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman started this team along with a a huge um, 
swathe of Hollywood and sports celebrities, uh, Serena Williams, Jennifer Garner, and um, Natalie Portman starts this, this team and straight away goes to Steph Rudnick to run the PR. I mean, how good is that? Steph, just tremendous. Um, gave such great insight into, into the future of sports and you know the role that innovation plays um, and, and the role that sport plays in philanthropy, in creating a better community, better society. Um, Tiff Cherry, as I said, was there, who's the real you know, pioneer of women in sports broadcasting. She's doing a, a sensational job with Golf Australia. And Tiff had on stage uh, with her Cassie Porter, who's a young gun Australian golfer. It's great to get that insight from the athlete point of view, as well as that Chloe Malloy, Collingwood uh, footballer in the AFLW, Chloe was there. And once again, you know, we had those sort of the insights from the athletes. Um, Kelly Ryan, CEO of Netball Australia. Kelly Ryan, who's just become so renowned for having the courage of her convictions. Um, listening to her speak about what it's like and, and the growing uh, dynamic whereby we're seeing, you know, a much more inclusive environment in sport. And, you know, as Naomi said, you know, Naomi actually said this, that where we've got to, she thought would never happen. But looking at where we're at now, there is still so much more to do. And so the Women in Sports Summit, I suppose, really reflected that. It was about, okay, what have we done? All right, what's next? And it was just tremendous. So the Women in Sports Summit by Minister of Sport, uh, wonderful stuff. Uh, so if you weren't there this year, I hope you catch it next year. On the show today... We have the new chairman of the Australian Sports Technologies Network, Dr. Martin Schlegel. Uh, Martin, he's been with ASTN since 2016. He's a chemical engineer by profession. And he's one of the most renowned uh, chemists in the world, in Europe, in the USA, and through Asia Pacific. In more recent times, he's turned his hand into the sports, tourism, recreation innovation space across the past decade or so. Been with ASTN since 2016. He's the program lead at the Australian Sports Innovation Centre of Excellence. And so, like, if you're a promising athlete, you go to the AIS. They train you up. If you're a promising sports tech startup, you go to Dr. Martin Schlegel, and he trains you up. And Martin and his team do an incredible job imparting their expertise. So today on the show, we're going to celebrate uh, James Demetrio handing the baton over to Martin. Uh, so we'll reflect on that and that journey. Um, but Martin's going to give us the keys to success. If you're a startup business, this is the show for you. How do you go about it? How do you find the problem? How do you create the solution? How do you get the customers? How do you get the capital funding? We're going to go right through it with Dr. Martin Schlegel, on the other side of this. You're listening to Sports Cutting Edge for ASTN, the Australian Sports Technologies Network. Joining us now on the show, the incoming chairman of the Australian Sports Technologies Network, Dr. Martin Schlegel. Martin, welcome to the show. Okay, thank you. Glad to be back. Well, it's great to have you back, and congratulations. Um, we're going to touch on uh, your new role as chairman of ASTN in just a sec, but the Australian Sports Innovation Week, what an incredible week it was in Brisbane. Um, Martin, what were your highlights? Oh, look, there were, there were actually a number of highlights. 
from an ATN point of view, we, we combined it with having to deliver a couple of other uh, masterclass event uh, workshop around that. But um, the the Thursday, their pitching day. I mean, if you if you just think about the numbers of startups that that are actually registered uh, to pitch, it's almost like we're coming to the point that we have to probably split it and and say we're going to have one on the business of sport and there's all the business of sport startup pitching and we have one on on elite and professional sports and 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 maybe maybe another one on grassroots and community engagement i don't know it seems like every time we turn around we actually uncover more gems and and more people that are actually taking that step of starting a business so really encouraging and uh, the second thing that i probably have as a takeaway we are now seeing companies uh, startups and the founders that that have come through to not only one but maybe two ASTN programs and and to see their development over the years is is really really great. Well, it's funny, you know. I was actually chatting. Um, I'm on the Gold Coast at the minute. And I spoke with Tom Tapping, who's involved in ASTN now in the Pre Accelerator, and he spoke about the role that you've had, Martin Craig Hill and ASTN as a whole in trying to really bring his business to the fore. And it is all these sorts of companies where, you know, a company's not just a name on a spreadsheet with numbers underneath. It's it's the people behind it. And as you say, at that startup day, there were so many people who are there trying to make their dream come true and the role that ASTN can play to turn that dream into a reality. You must love that, Martin. Like I saw you there at that startup day and everyone's coming to you. Everyone gravitates towards you because obviously they want to sort of get in on the action. Um, but you must love the the relish, the desire that people have to try and take their idea and turn that into something on the world stage. Yeah, and, and that's actually a good point that you raised there. So from my perspective, that is actually what I love about being involved in in that ecosystem and in the work that the ASTN does, because even though, let's say, we run a cohort or we run a program, it is every time is different in itself because it's it's a new founder, it's new people, new personalities, new ideas. And what doesn't change is exactly what you said, the passion to to actually turn an idea or a dream into reality. And if if we, meaning the mentors of the ASTN, the ASTN, we all can t- play a role in that, in the end, that that is 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 very satisfying. Yeah. Mm. How does it feel? So James Dimitru at the Australian New Zealand Sports Tech Awards stepped down as the chairman. He is our founder and has been in the hot seat for 10 years now and just done the most sublime job. Um, and I know he always pays great homage to yourself and John Persico, who came on board well, about six years ago, a bit over, and and the role that you two have played in the engine room of ASTM. Now he's handing the baton on to you, Martin. You're the new chairman. How does that feel? Oh, look, it's it's a uh, it's a great honour, and and it's a it's a huge responsibility at the same yeah. time, because as you rightfully pointed out, when James and Craig Hill actually founded the ASTN in 2012 mm. it was it was exactly what the founders 
go through in, in, in a similar situation. It was an idea. Yeah. It was this sort of foresight or vision that Australia obviously does very well in terms of, let's say, metal tally or uh, records broken on the mm. track, on the pitch and, and things like that. Mm. But it, there's a little bit more because the, the sports business doesn't only evolve around the athletes on the pitch there's also the spectators in in the stadium there's the fans at home there is the media there's the broadcasting there's so many stakeholders mm -hmm. and so sports tech is more uh, and and it, it it is a large um group of activities now yeah. and so therefore that 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 idea we will actually help as astn because that's that's the purpose of the astn to assist founders or Australian-inspired technologies to reach the world stage, mm. um, that that has been, uh, as I said, that that vision 2012, um, that that was a big step. And and James went through. I mean, reflecting on on the journey of the ASDN, the the steps forward, the steps back, the, yeah. the disappointments, and all of those kind of things. So that's why I'm saying it's it's. It's an honor and but it's also a a, a huge challenge um and responsibility because we're we're looking at the next decade and um it's 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 a world where where things are changing very quickly yeah it certainly is and and you're coming in at such a hot time you know it's funny so still up here in the sunshine state in the olympic uh, state of queensland and just been to the women in sports summit that ministry of sport put on and tara ballard from astn did a magnificent job representing astn on the keynote panel for sports technology but just seeing you know off the back of last week's sports innovation week the Sports Tech World Series, the awards night, the masterclasses, the field tours, the startup day, like it's huge. But what we're seeing is a real cut through into the mainstream, Martin. You know, the, the coverage across the News Corp papers in the Australian Financial Review of sports technology, it's cutting into the mainstream. And even being at that Women in Sports Summit um, that Ben Parsons did such a wonderful job of putting on, um, and that's women in sports. So it's not just sports tech. It, it's a broader audience. There was such a deep appreciation of the role that tech's playing. Sarah Butler from Stats Perform spoke about the role that tech and data plays to even the playing field in the way that sports is uh, studied, high performance, also the fan experience. Rather than looking at the aesthetics of a player, looking purely at the raw data brings it back to an equal playing field. So sports tech is having its real moment in the sun. And I think a big part of that is because what ASTN has done fostering the industry. Martin, we chatted about it with James a few weeks ago, but perhaps let's go into it. In terms of the size of the industry, $3 billion industry is sports tech now, 10% of Australia's overall sports economy. Where are you seeing the key growth, Martin? And how much growth is coming from these little startups, as we say, that are coming in, big passion, eyes wide open, trying to achieve something? How much is that the contribution? And how much can that grow over the next 10 years? Yeah. So um, James pointed out um, in in uh, his uh, interview with you a couple of weeks ago, mm. that obviously the size of the industry and, and how uh, currently about 19 20 percent of companies are making up 
the bulk, uh, eighty or more percent of of that revenue that um, that you uh, you mentioned there, but it's actually the the other eighty percent of companies that are currently generating the smaller bit of that of that overall that mm-hmm. that we are excited about because that's really the the growth opportunity. So if you think about from a numbers perspective. Uh, a large number of small companies, which are small at the moment, yeah. have an opportunity to grow. And when you then realize, and, and I come back to your comment earlier, um, that we're no longer only focusing on, let's say, performance analytics, uh, on-field coaching, um, these kind of athletes, they are still very, very, very important because think about it. We're now in a, in a living in a world where that little one percent or even less than one percent can make the difference between yeah. being up on the podium or not even making the cut for the top ten. Mm. So technology has always played a big, big role in coaching, training, and monitoring athletes. But there is these, and, and the report sliced and diced it, I think, quite, quite nicely with the business of sport and entertainment, with mass participation and active living, that there's now other areas. And, and that really is the growth because that links it back to this born global die local philosophy yeah. that these kind of solutions that the new and upcoming startups now are looking at can actually grow into global products and services. And that is for us as the ASTN co- coming back to the purpose, helping Australian-inspired technologies and their founders and their companies go onto the global stage. Mm. That's why I think there is a there's a real optimism in, in what we are doing. Mm. And, the, and the final point probably is, is around that there's, leave the technologies aside for a second, because I don't want to make it about a, a technology play per se, Mm-hmm. But because sport deals with athletes of all abilities, mm. you effectively you effectively impacting, or you can you can translate from other sectors, other adjacent sectors into sport, or from sport into other sectors. And that's mm. why it's I think it has come onto onto people's radar that sport is more than just on the pitch. There's other mm. things as well. Well, that's it, and and you know it's it's a great point you make about looking at people of all different abilities. A dear friend of mine from Alice Springs, who is one of the founders of the Queensland Wheelchair Rugby League movement, Corey Moshun, was at the Australian Sports Innovation Week, and listening to Corey, who played in uh, Queensland's State of Origin winning side for uh, for the uh, Wheelchair Rugby League talking about what Corey's vision is, is to have the same sort of analytics data measurement that you see for um, athletes that do not have a disability to see that translated into wheelchair sports. And so the rotations of the wheel, having all the sort of dynamic velocity measurements in these regards. 
And I know Andrew Walton, uh, who's part of the ASTN family uh, with the Sports Tech World Series, does a lot in the disability space within Victoria. So you're seeing right across the country, there's such a, a greater awareness of this. Martin, are you seeing different things in that space as well? And and how, I suppose, excited are you at the prospect that as we continue to grow and evolve as ASTN, that more and more people come into the tent and we have more options for more different segments of the community to all feel a part of it? Yeah. Um, I think one interesting observation that I've made lately is, and, and it plays into what you were just highlighting, we used to have that professional sports had access to, let's say, the cutting edge technology, and they still have yeah. and they will have. They like the like the Formula One, yeah? And, mm. and then you have your your everyday car. Let's, let's take that analogy. And they yeah. will always be on the cutting edge. But what I see is that that gap is actually becoming smaller and smaller and smaller. So, yeah. for instance, take, take um, sensor-based... Uh, wrist-based uh, uh, sensors or devices yes, that we're now using. Um, I mean, the consumer devices have gone, uh, have become so good and so yeah. accurate that professionals are starting to use it. Yeah. And so there you see how how what's been used in consumer land might go into might go into professional and vice versa. And that will also then uh, extend to to things like um, the Paralympics, that consumer devices will soon be used and can be used, and they don't no longer need specialist equipment because yeah. because uh, things become available. So I think that's why this this notion about helping athletes or assisting athletes of all abilities, it is is uh, so important and and actually will will accelerate some of the adoption it's funny you say that about the way in which you know there's that growing scope um so troy latter from amazon web services he's just a gun he was on that panel with tara ballard yesterday the sports mm. tech focus panel at the Women in Sports Summit. And he spoke about the convergence of different industries, the way in which health tech, sports tech cross over. I know uh, XT Ventures, Andrew Fagan, once again, part of ASTN, uh, a great new acquisition for ASTN in recent times, is playing in that space. Uh, Martin, you, you've got such a wide, diverse background across you know, the US, Europe, now Asia Pacific. Do you see that potential, the commercialization opportunity for the crossover of health and sports tech? How prime do you think that ground is right now uh, for people to get into? I, I, I have been seeing that for a while. And, and not only, I mean, if you think about sports tech, fitness, wellness, health, mm. that's one way of, of looking at that. And, and, and there's a lot of uh, people and uh, groups that are that are seeing that it, it's not without without cause that the big tech companies like the Googles, the Apples of the world, are are looking at sports and 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 fitness and wellness on the one side, but effectively already have their eye on the uh, health market, yeah, allied health, and and maybe they, then even getting into medical. So this notion that sports tech can morph into other sectors. I think we 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 have already we have always seen it, but we're now actually see it unfolding in front of our eyes. And mm -hmm. for me, actually, 
it's going to be interesting to see is it sports tech companies that will go up the value chain into med tech eventually mm-hmm. or is it is it actually very specialized medical technologies that are going to come down into the sports yeah. and so that's going to be an interesting thing to to consider the other thing and you talked about the international experience take for instance israel mm-hmm. israel um with their startup ecosystem thrives on the notion of translating or transferring knowledge from other sectors into an adjacent sector. Uh-huh. So they, for instance, if, if we stick with sports technology, they have, for instance, been able to translate, say, video technology out of security mm. into sports tech. Yeah. So these these are kind of some of these trends that I'm seeing that are, and, and that we have been observing and closely watching because when we speak to startups, we want them also to think about that because that could be a potential exit strategy for a startup that's developing a sports technology that has an application in fitness, wellness, health to maybe say, okay, we'll develop that. We validate in sport, we validate in Australia, then we build our business globally, and then we exit and or license to someone in a different field. So all of those things are now unfolding in front of our eyes. Okay, so health is definitely an area of growth. Um, we're sitting at 3 billion at the minute, and that's an amazing figure. What do you think will be the other key areas of growth? I mean, we spoke a little bit earlier. You spoke of the fan engagement aspect, the consumer aspect, um, stadium technology. Is it around gamification? And where do you see the metaverse, Web3? You know, where do you see these areas of growth? What, what's probably the, the prime one that's really going to take off in your mind at this point? And yeah, a little bit on the metaverse, if you can, where you see that, where yeah. it's at, where it's going. Yeah. Uh, so before I get to that, because there was an interesting observation that I took away from from the conference last week. But before I get there, mm-hmm. coming back to to some of the other areas. So I think um, we're, we're using a lot of sensors at the moment. But if I bring it back to to what coaches and what uh, um, strength and conditioning coaches and, 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 and the coaching staff in general, they are very much observing skill execution play with their with, through their eyes through the through the visual aspect so yeah. video is still and will still be a, a really really important uh, aspect of analyzing performance or or judging uh, activity so mm-hmm. i i think that this whole notion of image recognition video sequencing and therefore machine learning artificial intelligence mm-hmm. will be sort of like the next uh if you talk about deep technologies that that will actually spur more development because think about it that's how you can automate certain things that's how you can speed up things in, in, uh, effectively and maybe uncover uncover patterns that we otherwise wouldn't see yeah. Mm. Like, for instance, we, we, we listened to a presentation by one of the startups uh, at the conference that basically by simply pointing the camera and shooting a high um, high resolution video of somebody running, being able to 
to uh, extract step frequency, ground contact time, mm -hmm. and and some really interesting figures out of that video. Uh, okay, th these were these were data points that that World Athletics used to set up an array of cameras in the stadium only for the world championships to to analyze the final of the 100 meters. Yeah. So this is this notion about democratizing sport analytics and making it available to athletes of all abilities all the way down to grassroots. So that's yeah. where technologies are actually actually helping that. Now come back to your second question about the web3 and I said in my, my present, when James and I gave our presentation, I was talking about the, the 10 themes that we had worked out. Yeah. I was sort of like a little bit challenging those guys with, with the Web3 and say, you actually need to present a real good case study mm. um, where this technology is actually addressing a problem. Because, because on the startup day and that's why i had to i had to laugh when you when you when you asked the question and you were there like there were a number of startups that that actually shied away from from using the term nft and wind back like six uh, six seven months like remember the craze and stuff like yes, that so absolutely so for me this is an example of all right there, there is going to be this 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 hype cycle of things of Oh yes, it's the greatest thing, and then the delusion, and and then you get into some later into some some norm, normality. Yeah. So in in terms of Web three or metaverse, I mean, uh, and, and there were a couple of people on panels that actually said, "Look, we haven't found the case," but I I I picked up on a couple of things. Blockchain is about digital assets, and and effectively the authenticity of these digital assets so mm. think about this whole notion of piracy of of video clips and stuff like that maybe it can it might play it will play a role merchandising mm. if i buy something do i know that it is the genuine thing mm. well blockchain could assist with that or, or think even about about the whole supply chain because blockchain is 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 really as a technology used in supply chain yeah. uh to to authenticate certain things so in australia we have something that's called the modern slavery act like if mm. i buy something i want to make sure that that is not uh produced somewhere where mm. those values that we hold dear to us in australia are actually yeah. are, are not actually upheld so yeah. these are kind of the things and that's why i'm saying these there the, the seems to be that these guys have to actually now think about where is the real problem and, and how can our solution address a real problem? Yeah. You make a great point. Um, and it's it's funny because Marcus, the founder of Fusion, who uh, won two awards at the Australian New Zealand Sports Tech Awards night and then did a wonderful presentation at the Sports Tech World Series. Marcus spoke about the hype cycle mm. and delved into it. Martin, what's your advice for Australian sports tech businesses? that are finding themselves somewhere on the hype cycle, right? And so, as you say, great point, NFTs. This time last year, it was blowing up, all the big deals happening in the USA. And then, obviously, Australian business has gone, okay, hang on, here's a space we can play in. Now, suddenly, there's a great uh, cautionary tale to be told. So how do you advise Australian businesses listening now to ride the hype cycle? How do they play with it? 
Well, if if you accept that that things follow that that hype cycle, then mm. my advice is look for these inflection points, mm. because and, and it, it's sort of like how how uh, how good is your your crystal ball? But if you if you can find these inflection points, then you know when the time is right. And it's the old thing: there's a time and a place for mm. certain things to be deployed and be successfully accepted by the market. So if you accept the, the, the premise of there is a hype cycle, um, find these inflection points or, or where, where certain things change and then make sure that your timing is right yeah. to, to be at the right place at the right time. That's, that's, and, and that's the, been the challenge always. Yeah? We've, yeah, We've had multiple examples where people were two years too early, three years too early, and then, and then this a similar idea a little bit later becomes a blockbuster hit. Yeah. yeah. And so from what I'm gathering from what you've said, one of the key underpinnings must be that you are solving a problem. So you can't have a solution yes. for a problem that doesn't exist. Is that sort of the key takeaway mm. for people? Yeah, and and Lockie, this is this also goes back to to what we try to get across in our programs. Mm-hmm. Listen to the market. Listen to the stakeholders. Listen to your customers, because there's a there's a series of questions that you need to get through, in in terms of what is the problem, who says that there is a problem. So you need mm-hmm. to validate what what mm-hmm. what people actually tell you. Find out how much they care, because there's problems that people have just said accepted. And basically say, oh, what? Um, this is, we'll have to do it this way for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, but there's these problems um, that that they might not even know, or uh, that are that are only going to be solved when there is a step change or a change in in outer circumstances. And the reason why I'm saying that this way is obviously COVID told us a, a whole lot that if there yeah. is a a uh, a change forced from the outside, it will actually accelerate certain things. And we've all seen this, yeah. Well, this actually leads me beautifully into my next question because you, along with Professor Jerry Engel, James Dimitri and Professor Danny Salmon, have put together a magnificent book to help guide people through this. It's Clusters of Innovation in the Age of Disruption. Martin, tell us about your book. Well, uh, I got to say, it, it's not my book; it's Jerry's book. Well, you were in there. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were we were able to contribute a chapter, and and look, obviously, Jerry Jerry Engel, UC Berkeley, uh, he studied the the formation of clusters of innovation over mm. over years. You know, obviously, with the lens of Silicon Valley, but but uh, he's done much much more. I mean, he. Uh, he regularly is is uh, uh, traveling between Silicon Valley and, let's say, the German cluster around the Technical University in Munich. He's been uh, in Israel. He's been in other places. He's been with us in Australia. And, and so he really looked at how do local clusters of innovation become global clusters of innovation and how do they connect? How do they act? Mm-hmm. How do they exchange people ideas programs and things like that and and so what 
this goes back to to what James and Craig actually actually what I say had had that vision or or that foresight. They engaged uh, with Jerry and said, "Look, this is our idea. We want to build this this ecosystem." And having Jerry by by our side and, and guiding us was, was was really really helpful because we, as the ASTM, actually walked the talk, so to say. We put all of these things in place, yeah. which then formed the the this cluster, which we which we now um, are, are observing here. But it doesn't end there because we 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 really want to take it to the next step and and connect connect more globally with with other clusters. Yeah. So the chapter that we talked about was effectively highlighting what have what has the ASTM done and what yeah. will the ASTM continue to do to to continue to build our cluster into a global cluster of innovation and how do we connect with that. So one example is obviously we have numerous connections, but one example is how we have this joint program delivery with the Global Sports Innovation Center powered by Microsoft, mm. Iris Cordoba and, and her colleagues, because that's that's really one of those behaviors how, let's say, regional clusters of innovation actually come together to pull their pool their resources and then roll out further programs so that that mm. is a that is a really important uh, important aspect so we were really honored that that Jerry approached uh, us and said look we want you to document the ASTN journey because we're up there with clusters like I said uh, in Germany in Spain with other clusters in the US and Israel um, to to tell the story and and actually outline of what what are these behaviors? Yeah. Mm. You mentioned Iris. Iris Cordova was at the Sports Tech World Series and the the awards night, and what her and the team at Microsoft have done in La Liga and across world sport, just phenomenal. What what are the different strengths, Martin? Like if you're talking about you know the way we analyze athletes or teams, you say oh this this particular team's got a great defense, this one's great in attack. Um, Australia's sports tech industry. What is uh, we're a top five industry now in the world. What's our strength? And what are the strengths of the other top five? Yeah, so so obviously, if I start with the biggest one, the US, uh, obviously because it's the largest sports market in the world, mm. and with uh, with the uh, firepower of let's say Silicon Valley and and uh, a, a number of other other uh, aspects that the US as the largest market has. Yeah. You immediately have scale in the U.S. Yeah, so that's that's yeah. it's it's really there around. It's the largest sports market in the world. A lot of big leagues and and things like that. Um, you spoke about uh, GSIC. They're headquartered in 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 Spain, and so I see that all of these different clusters have a particular skill set or a particular domain expertise that they're really really good at. So. For instance, uh, the the ecosystem in in around Madrid and Barcelona, when you when you look at the history of of even GSIC, it's tied to the two big clubs in Spain, uh, the La Liga clubs, 
Real Madrid and and CF Barcelona. Mm. And so they have developed a, a somewhat of an expertise around this fan engagement, because if you think about it, Spain is a small country, but there's a whole lot of Spanish speaking regions around the world, Latin, yeah. Latin America, Middle America, um, and so on and so forth, where there's there's a fan base that's not local to to what La Liga does. So they had to think of about other ways of, of connecting that fan base. And that's that's part of the reason why they've they've developed a lot of uh, technology in that aspect. If you think about Germany, obviously manufacturing, advanced materials, that that reflects in the way they they uh basically start developing equipment, apparel, footwear. I think Adidas, think Puma, and, and so on and so forth. There's lots of there's lots of very famous winter sport equipment brands that, that have their home there. I already spoke about Israel, the, the fact that they translate from other sectors into sport and vice versa, or yeah. health. The UK, obviously, with with sports biz, uh, sports business and and mm -hmm. also with with the prediction markets the wagering yeah and what what we in australia have been known for is is really if you trace it back it actually goes back to to a number of the really good universities in sports science coaching training methodologies and therefore Australia has a high, very good reputation, obviously, in the high performance area. And that yeah. also ties back to all of the Institute of Sports, the AIS, QAS, Victorian Institute of Sport, and that. So what I'm saying is each of these clusters has sort of like a core uh, capability. And when you start to connect these bits and pieces, you actually make the sum a whole lot better. Certainly do. And speaking of high performance, next week on the show, we're going to have Jess Coronas, who's the sports tech and performance boss at Swimming Australia. And what our swimmers were able to do in Tokyo just blows your mind. And Jess plays a magnificent role behind the scenes, particularly working with Emma McKeon in Michael Bowles' uh, stable of swimmers, Cody Simpson. Jess has played an integral role in getting Cody from Hollywood to now being performing and at a national level. So we're going to hear from Jess next week on exactly what you're talking about, Australia's strength in high performance. Martin, you made your name globally in the area of advanced materials. Uh, in your book, you have, and Jerry's book, of course, you have a tech stack, and it specifies the area of advanced materials, and looking at the fibers and textiles, nanomaterials, thermoplastics, foam and gels, as well as coatings and adhesives, you know, for stadium technology. Can you just give us a little bit of an idea about what's exciting you in that space, what you see growing, the tech that, that's coming on the horizon in that advanced materials quadrant? Yeah, so um, obviously, because of my background, it's, it's something that I'm always drawn back to. Like, and and when, we, when we have uh, companies in, in, in the programs, naturally, for some reason, the product companies that have new footwear or, or apparel or protective, they, they all seem to gravitate towards me. Or maybe it's the others pushing it that way, but that's, that's just... Uh, <laughs> well, they read note. your LinkedIn, no, they think, right, um, I've got to talk to this Martin bloke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but, but what really what really is interesting is, um, and uh, Hill Cheatham, who used to work at the US uh, um, Olympics, he, he once told me, he said, look, Martin, ideally, 
we don't want to occupy the athletes for more than 15, uh, 20 minutes to yeah. actually get ready for training, coaching, or, or even uh, competing because it's taking away from their mental preparation. Mm. So he said, technology has got to be invisible. So that's why I'm so excited about it because we've been talking about that we're going to instrument, let's say, the shirt or the footwear or the protective equipment and things like that. But questions like energy harvesting, uh, how do we power these things are still sort of like uh, things that are that have to be optimized. So that that sort of big goal out there is is what's interesting me. Because on one side, that that goes right back into advanced materials. But then also the other side of things, what are we going to do with all of that stuff that we are going to create? Because in the end, are we just going to dump it into the into a uh, onto a landfill or or chuck it or chuck it into the bin? Because these are these are very, very sophisticated materials in the end. And what can we do with that? So this whole whole notion of how how it ties into recycling sustainability of what we're doing. Like even think about the number of ball of, of footballs or tennis balls or all of these things that are out there. Um, what is the impact? And, and I mean, other companies have, have made big stories about the fact that they use ocean reclaimed plastics to then develop uh, uh, fibers or yarns for, for footwear or apparel. So these are just things that I find personally interesting yeah yeah oh and that's the thing and to see what aussie businesses can do what they can achieve because we've seen some great as you say great results in sports performance fan engagement i think of gtg network um, operating systems think of rostify some great people from the astn family achieving on the world stage what can we do in advanced materials um, what about women in sports tech? So this summit um, on the Gold Coast was just tremendous. And, and Tara Ballard, as I say, represented ASTN and spoke about the strategy that ASTN has with regards women in sports tech. Martin, can you share uh, your thoughts on that too? Yeah. Um, look, it's, it is very well understood that innovation thrives in diverse settings. Yeah. And I'm... I'm I'm not only saying uh, it's it's gender, it's it's all sorts of it's all aspects of of diversity. Yeah. Because if you have different viewpoints, if you have if you have different opinions, if you have if you generate different ideas and you challenge yourself in different ways, you actually come up with other solutions. I always I always say like if you if you took three or four of me, uh, other chemists, other chemical engineers, all you're going to get is the same is the same or similar answer. So you, yeah. need, you actually need, you need some diversity. And uh, it was quite interesting um, because uh, Boston Consultant, uh, BCG, Boston, uh, Boston Consulting Group, yeah. and uh, the University, Technical University of Munich did a study and actually showed that, that in diverse settings, not only the idea generation, but also that that conversion into commercial innovation is the, the percentage is much, much higher if you are in a more diverse setting or operate in a more diverse setting. So the women in sports tech is important for us as an industry, because if you look in comparison to other industries like, for instance, real estate or or design, where 
40% or even more of the startups are founded by female founders or co-founders. Mm. Um, overall, Sport and Rec sits uh, across 5% um, based on based on a study that was done a couple of years ago now. Yeah. Um, and, and so by just looking at these numbers, I, I think we need to we need to encourage more female founders to make that step because it's going to enrich the industry. Mm. And am I actually thinking further? We need to encourage female founders from other sectors to maybe think about how their skills can be deployed in sport. So coming back to the design uh, industry, I think it's a it's it's a real opportunity or possibility for a founder who who has a design background to think about how that could be deployed in sport. Maybe develop the next line of sports apparel for for female athletes. Maybe mm -hmm. to develop the next uh, protective equipment for for female athletes. Yeah. So these are some of the things how the industry can can grow by attracting talent from other areas and that's why that's why together with with jasmine uh, lim um my my colleague on the asdn board and and as part of the leadership change that james has now kicked off uh, jasmine is now the deputy chair and that's really one of the things that that we want to drive and and that as you as you highlighted tara um uh, talked about yesterday at women in sport and congratulations, yeah, and, and congratulations to Jasmine, who's just a gun operator with the uh, Victorian Racing Club, the VRC, putting on a tremendous Melbourne Cup carnival the last couple of years through COVID. God, they've done a good job, really kept us going in a sporting sense, you know, with the vibrancy of Melbourne Cup, despite obviously going through the rigours of COVID. Now, you know, um, it's going to be a huge Cup carnival. Jasmine's there in the engine room creating that. And of course, now, as you say, as the deputy chair, you must just be wrapped to have such a, an absolute talent as the deputy oh yeah that's and and she's really really passionate about that um jasmine um we had digital innovation festival uh, uh just um now a week and a half ago here in mm. victoria and we uh, we had a panel where jasmine where jasmine reflected on on her industry the racing industry and how at some point of time female Tra horse trainers couldn't even accept uh the trophy yeah Jeez. and and so it, it's it's these really key events that that highlight actually there is there is a lot to be get gained out of out of that enriching diversity Absolutely. And even, you know, Naomi McCarthy, Olympic gold medalist, Sydney 2000, Australia's uh, women's water polo team. Naomi heads up women in sport at Griffith University in Queensland. And Naomi was speaking about the fact that in terms of sports science research, only 6% is dedicated to female athletes. Only 6% specific to female athletes, which mm. is just, when you think of it, I mean, how on earth is that the case? So as you say, there's plenty of room to grow. And it's great to see that ASTN are going full throttle to make that a reality. Um, you do have a great team. You know, we touched on Tara um, and Jasmine, James, of course, Craig. Uh, Cam Vale, general manager, signed on earlier this year. And John Persico, the aforementioned, uh, doing a great role in international business. Can you touch on that, Martin? Yeah, so 
so as I as I explained earlier, like Jerry really outlined in his book, in well, in, even in his first book, that clusters of innovation need to connect globally, and particular in an industry like sport, where sport is global, that is is uh, is really really important. So obviously, John. Uh, with his uh, uh, connections across the industry, is really really important in that. And and what what Cam brings is is not only the connection to obviously the sport with his uh, coming from his previous uh, roles uh, in national sporting organisations, mm-hmm. but also that con- connection into through that he has through sport into into other international market so the international business the connections it's important not only from an ASTN point but it's also important for our startup businesses to set their sights on exporting from Australia to grow into international markets and that then ties also together with with in order to do that they obviously need capital yeah. and and that's where where James's role will will come in because we're now at the point that we see more and more of the ASTN member startups company growing to a point where they need more capital and where James and then uh, Guy will yeah. actually tie this together and say, okay, if you need to go to the US or you need to go to Europe or you need to go to Southeast Asia, there yeah. is certain people uh, in the venture communities or of that that will actually fund these expansion stories. So that's why that's why this we're, we're effectively like a sporting team. Like everybody has to play their role. Yeah. Everybody has to play their role, and uh, and and that will come together. And that's that's uh, for us as a team. That that's our team sport. Yeah, and you and you're playing bloody well. You're getting runs on the board, and you're winning. Before we go, um, you touch on such an important topic, and it's funny because I've got you know friends of mine in the industry with their companies really going on what can be a bumpy ride at times, looking for capital investment, the right partners, the right way to go about it. I know it's a big topic. We'll have to get you back to do a proper deep dive on it. But Martin, have you got a couple of dot points in terms of those that are looking for capital funding? How to go about getting it? Look, the what it boils down to is that what we said earlier find a real problem before you actually say i have a solution because it's about what is the problem who says that there is a problem how much Mm. do they care because the majority of startups if if you go all the way back the 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 majority of startups fail because they never find a paying customer and then there's certain variations of that. So it's 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 really if you can validate and you can show early traction, it it is still very very difficult to get the first investor on board. But the the story and the the um, objective to to uh, to get funded becomes so much easier if you can if you can demonstrate that. You're addressing a real problem and people are willing to pay for the solution. Mm. And then then the argument becomes easier. And and obviously there's there's different stages uh, and there's different people you have to approach. You you can't 
you can't just go, I'm not going to say go to the extreme. You just can't go to the bank and yeah. say, I have an idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you need to talk an angel investor. So there's, let's say, horses for courses. <laughs> yeah, totally. All right, before we go, we need to give some love to two of uh, the operations staff, Hayley Priestnell and Tom Demetrio. God, they do a great job. And getting to see firsthand at the Australian Sports Innovation Week how hard they work to, to create everything that we see on the surface, everything, you know. I mean, that's the thing with events. You know, it's like the duck going across the water. It looks graceful on the top, but there's a lot of hard work going on underneath to create it. Um, Tom and Hayley, just terrific, Martin. Yeah, they, they are. And it, look, it's it's really been been good to, to get that support. Yeah. Um, and, and that, I think... And I come back to where you started with James going through the the um, ups and downs that the ASTN had to had to endure along the way. Mm. Um, it is that we that we now can put on with Haley and Tom people that are dedicated to their roles, helping the members and 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 keeping like the daily running activities uh um clicking over yeah. because you 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 really need that and and the members actually appreciate that yeah gotcha um speaking of members we should get some people to sign up as members martin so what it's only 1600 bucks to be platinum i can't believe it's so so cheap like that's really good 1600 bucks you can be a platinum member of astn yeah look and 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 there's also other membership categories and yeah. and like I said, we 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 have um, different different ways that that um, a, a sports technology business can become can become a member of the ASTN. Mm. And you, I mean, you saw it at the Sports Innovation Week. It 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 is the ability to actually bring people together and say, "Hey, you need to talk to this person, yeah, Absolutely. and you need to talk to that person over there," because out of these out of these uh introductions or connections it, it's about connecting the dots when you do that business opportunities will emerge and that's why it's so important to be part of part of that network 100 percent, it is and you've done three billion dollars worth of dot connecting it is extraordinary what you've achieved well it's 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 the members that have achieved that we just we just Hope to grease the wheels as as they say along the way. <laughs> uh, it's just wonderful having you back on the show, Martin. Uh, we haven't had too many guests that have been on twice, so I love the fact you came back and uh, now as the and now as the chairman. It's just wonderful, and and yeah, the door's always open for you. Come on in whenever we've got big news to break from the Australian sports technology industry. As I say, it's really getting mainstream coverage now in the Australian Financial Review, Daily Telegraph, Courier Mail, Herald Sun. Everyone's talking about sports tech ASTN have been talking about it for 10 years and they've got it to this position now you've got the bat and you're going to run for gold I know you'll get there uh, Martin wonderful to have you on the show thank you very much for your time thank you Lockie uh, thank you very much for your company wonderful uh, wonderful to be here in this beautiful place of Queensland uh, we love everything the Queensland government are doing uh, to Nat Cook Nicole Kelly and the whole team behind Brisbane 2032 um, it's just wonderful to see what you're doing. Um, all right, we'll catch you next week on Sports Cutting Edge. Thank you very much for your company. 
You've been listening to Sports Cutting Edge for the Australian Sports Technologies Network. For more, jump online at astn.com.au.